Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 234. And tonight, we're recapping Welcome to Night Vale number 173, The 100-Year Play. And this was fun. This was kind of like another one of those Monster of the Week episodes. Yeah. Where it's just very short, very simple, except for the fact that it's about something that's been going on for 100 years now. Yeah. One play and the opening scene, which Cecil attended, by the way. So I guess that's back in the time when nobody was aging in Night Vale. Right, when time was not working right in Night Vale. So the very first scene that he remembers seeing was a man and a woman on stage. And the woman says to the man, and she's holding a baby, she says, oh, there's been this murder. And he said, oh, no. And she said, yes, the gardener did it. He had lobbed a live snake into the room. He had always held it against this one guy. Because apparently the playwright didn't believe in stretching out a mystery any longer than they absolutely had to. Right. And the playwright is a woman named Hannah Hirschman. And this play, this isn't just something that's been running every night. It's been running constantly for a hundred years. The actors and everybody involved in the play, they don't even know how it ends because they don't have time to flip forward because they're constantly putting on a play. And they just like, there's, Cecil said, there's not a lot of time for rehearsal. And I'm like, is there any time for a rehearsal? Doesn't sound like, unless you've got like, I guess you would probably have like crews of people, like here's the night crew, here's the day crew. Maybe you could have a couple hours rehearsal in at some point. I don't know. There's got to be some people backstage at some point. So Yeah, but the reason why Cecil's bringing this up is that the final scene is set to happen tonight. So he's yeah. looking forward to that. But first, we have a little bit about the news. And there is the ongoing trial of the family of Frank Chen versus, okay, I think it was Hiram McDaniels, the city council, and some concept of an all encompassing God. Yeah. And this is just the idea that, you know, of course, Frank Chen was found murdered. And this was after Hiram McDaniels had taken on his identity for a little while. And then later on, you know, they find the murdered body of Frank Chen covered in burns and claw marks and everything. And the police don't seem to want to investigate it. Well, they said that it's really tricky, which is why they're not going to even try. And they're actually a little angry at people suggesting that they need to try to pursue this case because like you want to see me fail at this don't you which that's guess that's a good reason for never trying anything but mm-hmm. and the judge meanwhile says that there's going to be a verdict soon maybe in the next year maybe in the next five years just because you pay me to do a job doesn't mean i have to do it quickly you'll get the verdict when you get it yeah there have been delays already because of dragon attacks so that kind of slowed <laughs> things down also cecil has started a true crime podcast because of course he has everybody else has a podcast of course yes well i feel yeah. very normal don't you I every time people are just like oh, they make jokes about ha 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 and then they started their own podcast he 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 I'm like oh, I feel targeted on that one um, <laughs> but yeah he was also part of the reason why the trial has been slowed down because there was always this investigative journalist with its own podcast um, trying to break into the proceedings what was the name of his podcast again I, I think it was called Bloody Claws Bloody Laws oh, very dramatic <laughs> anyway yeah so uh, hopefully we'll um, we'll find out something about that soon. But so before we went back to the play, we actually had a word from the sponsors, which was a word from the Night Vale Medical Board. Yeah. And I think their message was you need to drink more water. You need to drink all the water everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Talks about drinking the seas. And they're like, yeah, salt water's not very hydrating. So you're going to have to drink a lot of it. So nice, terrifying images. Yeah. Look up to the stars because there's water out there. (laughs) So 
we go back to Cecil talking about the Hundred Year Play, and he did actually see it 20 years after it had first started. Yeah, and the woman that was on the stage who was delivering a monologue, he realized it was the same there had been a baby appearing in the first scene, and this yeah. was the same person, not the same character. It was the same person who had literally grown up on the stage, and she was standing there delivering a monologue, and it looked like she'd been delivering the monologue for, like, days and would possibly yeah. continue delivering the monologue for weeks. Yeah. Cecil saw four hours of the play, and she was talking the whole time. And I'm like, I mean, this concept is cool. It's also kind of terrifying. <laughs> It is. This is the sort of thing that I get nightmares about. Oh, God. But on a nicer note, Cecil wore one of his best tuxes to that performance, and it was the one with the scales and the confetti cannon. <laughs> like, oh, fan <laughs> artist, get on that! He just standing there in a nice-looking tux with scales, and the cannon goes, poof! Confetti everywhere. <laughs> uh, community calendar was next. Always love Woo! when they bring in the community calendar. Uh, Monday, uh, the school board is having a meeting, and they're talking about the idea that it's not enough for students to pay for school lunch. They need to also give devotion to a particular glowing cloud. But since, you know, the meeting is sealed, there wasn't any indication of which school board member actually said that these students Mm -hmm. needed to pray to a big glowing cloud. So anyway, um, let's see what next. Tuesday, Lee Marvin. Yay, Lee Marvin's still around. He's giving acting lessons. And his acting lesson series is called Acting is Lying. Which it's not wrong, you know. They they talked about how it's uh you can lie to people because people kind of would rather have lies than the hard truth. And I'm like, that is also not wrong. Yeah, it's also very topical too, isn't it? Yeah. So on Thursday, Josh Creighton is going to take the form of a waterfall so that people can go swimming, which is awfully nice. It is nice, and I remember thinking when we had that whole storyline about him getting stuck in waterfall form, I was like. Could people actually go swimming in Josh? Mm-hmm. Apparently so. They can. Yeah, yeah. And then Friday, the cornfield will appear, just like it does every year. Do not go in the cornfield. Yeah, it's right in the center of town, which I thought, oh, that's nice. I mean, a nice little fall cornfield, maybe a corn maze, that sort of thing. No, don't go into no, the cornfield. Don't go in the cornfield. No, no. And Saturday never happened, if you know what's good for you. <laughs> I love the community calendar. <laughs> So Cecil is uh, lost track of time, so he's got to head to the play. And uh, before he goes to the play, he sort of looks out and is like, oh, I wonder what the weather's going to be like for my commute. And then we have the weather. And what was the weather's uh, title and artist this time? It was Shallow Eyes by Brad Bensko. Kind of country, jazzy, sort of southern rock. It was. It it started experimental and then kind of got into a little bit of country. But the chorus sounded a little bit, you know, the women singing in unison sounded a little bit like something out of the 50s yeah yeah it was neat i liked it it was fun and we got back and cecil is at the play for the very final scene of the 100 year play and a very old woman enters the stage and she sits down and she seems to notice the audience for the first time and she introduces herself and her name is hannah hirschman the playwright yeah yeah she said that as a baby, she was born with the script in her arms, yep. I guess. I mean, she's the playwright, but it kind of existed at the exact same time as her. Yeah, she referred to the play as her twin. Yeah, yeah I like that, yeah. <laughs> but she says that this play, this play will finally come to an end, and it will come to an end with her death. And yep. the audience is just 
enwrapped at that point. They're just so, oh my yeah, God. I, I like that, the way she phrased it. The play ends with my death because the play is my life. Yeah. And she says, thank you for the last 100 years. And just the curtain comes down and the, the lights dim and she dies to thunderous applause. Which Cecil said it's the best way of going out because it's confirmation that you did something amazing. I'm like, oh, yeah. wow, I yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's really disturbing, but I also like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, the audience seemed to love it. So that was the last thing she heard was the audience just loving what she'd done. And I'm like, gotta admit, if you gotta go. You if know, you gotta go. Yeah. I mean, I imagine a lot of actors would say, yeah, that would work. That'd be all right. Yeah, that's good. So Cecil closes it out and he says, you know, stay tuned for the next production from the company. They're going to do Godspell. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, of course they are. <laughs> I love how we refer to it as their second production. I'm like, yeah, that would be interesting. I mean, your yeah. first production lasted 100 years. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, it's crazy. So, uh, that was it for Night Vale. What are the ads this week? Um, but they did mention at the beginning of the podcast that on September 24th, they are going to have another live stream, live performance of a classic Night Vale episode. And this is going to be both episodes one and two of The Sandstorm, which I, uh, and they're going to be, they're going to be adding new guests because I think it was just Cecil and Kevin in the I first one because so. this was the storyline that introduced Desert Bluffs and Kevin. Yes. But they're going to have a lot of new guests and a lot of new storylines lines and it's going to be fun so you just go to the website and do the pay what you want and yeah september 24th at eight o'clock eastern when they were talking about it, it's going to be live performances and live kevin and i'm like oh, oh my goodness <laughs> oh, holy cow. i don't think kevin has ever been in any of the live performances has he any I, live shows i don't know that he has or not any of the ones that i've seen I don't, I don't even know what the actor looks like oh my god yeah i'm in for this one that's i always love the sandstorm episodes Okay, so I guess moving right along, we're going to have our weekly sit wrap. Sit wrap. Hang on. There we go. There we are. And a bottle this time. And some limes. Ooh, <laughs> I came prepared nice. with limes. It's a Corona, of course, because of why course. not? Nice. Yeah, I don't drink. I don't drink Coronas anymore. I like stuff with a bit more bite. And I don't have any beer in the house as usual, so I have a vodka cranberry. You can hear the glass right there. Rather nice. So anyway, yes. Um, so San Diego seems to be on fire. <laughs> Yes, yes. The state of California is on fire. And I, we make light, but it's, I mean, it's really, it's pretty bad. Yesterday, I swear to God, the sun was red all day long. Ugh. There was so much high smoke in the air. And it was hot yesterday. It was in the 90s in my area. And my area doesn't usually get very hot. So it was just gross. And uh, I mean, so many homes have been lost. And they just revealed today that one of the bigger fires um, was started by a pyrotechnic smoke device at a gender reveal party. I am not making this shit up. Which is absolutely bizarre because that is not the first time that's happened. No, it isn't. Yeah, 2017, it happened again. Um, this one has already taken out 8,000 acres, and I don't know how many homes. <sighs> and they, yeah. I mean, they, the news article that I read about this linked to the one from 2017, and the yeah. guy who started it pled guilty and he's on the hook for 8.1 million dollars in damage God, and i yeah. don't even know how that works it's like two hundred thousand dollar payments on a regular basis over the course of 20 years can you imagine your baby starting out the life with you 8.1 million dollars in the hole guys oh if you're going to do gender reveal parties can you just cut open a cake with pink or blue m&ms inside it please Seriously. yeah one of those confetti cannons there's not actual gunpowder in a confetti cannon i don't think 
think. So maybe just some confetti. <laughs> that, that'd be fine. That'd be great. I mean, I don't, we, we make fun of gender reveal parties, but honestly, if you want to eke out the celebration of creating human life, I think that's in your, your total right. You know, have a party, do all the parties. It's fine. Please, for, don't set things on fire. God, in the middle of fire season, that you would set off a pyrotechnic device. The fuck? Yeah, and I think that family's probably in hiding right now, because can oh. you imagine? I mean, not just being on the hook for that much money, but to have everybody know that, ah, you're the reason I lost my house. Yeah, pretty much. So anyway, I hope everybody's staying safe. My area's, you know, we're... It's a really urban around here. There is a canyon nearby, but I don't think it's caught fire in the past few years. Knock a lot of wood, but you know, I just I did, there were I had a one of those alerts this morning announcing an evacuation startled the crap out of me. A little siren goes off. I'm like, not anywhere near here, but still our heart goes out to the people suffering and please donate some money to the Red Cross or other charities that help people um, pick up the pieces after they have um, lost their homes. And I, this this is a little dark. Do you have a bug out bag if you have to evacuate at some point? Yeah, I, I don't like the idea that nowadays you really kind of have to have one of those, but you really should. So anyway. Well, in North Carolina, it's been highs and low 80s and lows in the 60s all weekend. We have actually oh. had the windows open. I just, oh I mean, God. for the whole Labor Day weekend, I couldn't have timed it better. So no, there's that. And I think we're moving up to phase 2.5 of the reopening, which everybody talks about, and nobody quite knows what exactly that means, what is and is not allowed to be open. I think gyms might be allowed to open, maybe, maybe bars. I don't know. I think the whole uh, limitation on not being able to serve uh, hard liquor after 10 o'clock is still in effect or alcohol of any kind, really. (sighs) I don't know. It's one of my coworkers who lives in Los Angeles was talking about going out to see his family in Palm Springs, and he made some comment like, "Because you know everything's pretty much back to normal now." I'm like, the "Fuck, are you talking about? You live in Los Angeles. It's worse in Los Angeles than it is here." But I don't know. You know, and the governor of California just put up this comment. He's like, "You know, we're doing better. We're doing better than we've done in a while." But we have a big holiday weekend come up. Please do not go to big parties. So I'm just waiting to see if two weeks from now we get another spike because everybody wanted to go out and celebrate Labor Day. And I'm like, guys. And I really feel like I need to address the whole thing about the CDC tweeting that only 6% of the deaths from COVID-19 had COVID-19 as the only cause. That's really misleading. And I should probably try to link to this video that our friend Beth shared at one point, a medical professional talking about this. And it's just like, okay, so death certificates have to be more specific than the event that led to the death. So if someone is killed in a car crash, the cause of death on the death certificate is not just car crash. It's like ruptured liver or um, intracranial hemorrhage or just all the things, which with COVID-19, you're going to have respiratory failure and heart failure, things that are caused by COVID-19. You will also have some of the comorbidities, I think is what it's called. Um, you know, just longstanding respiratory problems, diabetes, obesity. How many people in this country do you know who don't have some kind of pre-existing medical condition that would possibly make something like COVID-19 worse. That's the things that's being put on there. But for some reason, 6% of the death certificates just said COVID-19. Who knows why? It could possibly be because New York was getting slammed with thousands of deaths at a time and they didn't have time to fill out the form completely. I don't know. But this does not mean that 94% of the people who died and have COVID-19 are the death certificate 
it doesn't mean that those people would have just died of something else. That is absolutely not what it means. So please, people, take this seriously, because there's a lot of really healthy people who are dying from this. And I don't understand why anybody thinks that, oh, it's just a small number of healthy people have been killed by this. How do you know that you're not going to be one of those people? It's not like anybody had a sign saying you are now scheduled for a COVID-19 death out of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's every time people bring that up, I always think about the movies where the bad guys have the good guys surrounded. It's like, uh, he's only got three bullets and there's six of us, so he can't get us all. And the good guy's like, sure, okay, which three of you want to die? I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's like, yes, only a small number of healthy people are getting it. Maybe you, you don't know. But the other thing is like, you know, people have diabetes and they live for decades and decades with diabetes. It's just if if COVID-19 got them, they weren't just going to drop dead anyway, just because they had diabetes. And also, I know a lot of people with diabetes. I don't want them to die. They could live for, they could live longer than I do, but they got sick with COVID-19 and died. Why people keep latching on and it's like, you know, oh, well, it's only people with diabetes or heart conditions or whatever. I'm like, that's a lot of people. But God. I just, it's really baffling because, and the example that I thought of was if a 99-year-old man gets struck at a crosswalk and dies, the reaction is not, oh, well, he was probably going to die soon anyway. It's like, no, you go ahead and you address the actual cause of his actual death. Yeah. And the tweet I saw was a woman who said, I have diabetes. And if I get attacked by a bear and die, the news is not going to say woman died of diabetes. No, they're going to say I was killed by a bear. So, you know, it's (laughs) diabetes and whatever else actually killed me at the time, like COVID-19. But anyway, (gasps) so yeah, dead horse on this one. But but Florida seems to be doing okay, I guess. I mean, they're not they're not the top. (laughs) California's got the top number of cases right now. Yeah, we do. (laughs) Yeah, we certainly do. Oh, God, way more numbers like infected than New York, but the deaths are probably half of which. Apparently, New York had a really awful strain of it as well. Yeah, and they also were the first um, to deal with it and the fact that nobody was prepared and not a lot of respirators, not a lot of masks, not a lot of stuff to protect the healthcare workers from catching it and dying. So I think things have gotten a little bit better, but we're still not out of the woods, guys. Let's no, let's really be careful not. here. Yeah. Just keep wearing your mask because your mask protects other people. I cannot stress that enough. If you have been infected, it could be two weeks before you actually show symptoms and you will be spreading it the entire time. So please wear a mask. You know, it's so funny that you would say that, though, because in this country, that is like the least effective way to get anybody to do anything. You know, it's just people are so selfish. It's people here that your mask protects other people. And they're like, well, I just want to protect myself. Then stay home. You know, it's just, <laughs> I swear to God. But yeah, people just don't seem to, they're like, well, I don't know, if it doesn't protect me, then why should I wear it? Because it protects other people. Yeah, but it doesn't protect me. <laughs> anyway, um, anyway. Moving on. So, yeah, moving on. Uh, so we finally finished watching The Mandalorian. <laughs> Yay! We watched episode seven one night. And when that finished, we were like, okay, well, now we have to watch the next episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, because uh, massive spoilers for anybody who hasn't watched it, because we're going to give some stuff away. But of course, the big bad of the entire season was the bad guy from Breaking Bad. Gus Fring. Nathan was just Aww. like, he perked up like, you know who that is? That's Gus Fring. <laughs> and he did such a good job. Wonderful. He was so calm, but slightly more maniacal than Gus Fring was. Like, you know, Gus Fring was 
obviously he's a psychopath, but a really super calm and logical one. And this guy always felt like just on the edge of possibly losing it. And smiling a lot. He was smiling a lot. But there were so many things in those last two episodes that were so fantastic. I love that IG-11 came back. And in the final episode, we got to see IG-11 kicking ass and having a death scene. And that was so awesome because the guy who did the voice of IG-11 directed the episode. Takika, I cannot never remember how to pronounce his name. It's Taika Watiti? Yeah, I think so. The director of Thor Ragnarok is crying out loud. <laughs> no wonder the episode was so good. Oh my god. When IG when it's IG eleven, yeah. right? Not IG eight. When IG eleven comes into town with the baby on the speeder bike, just mowing down stormtroopers. I'm like, all of this, this is great. <laughs> that was my favorite scene. It was so cool. I loved it. I was wonderful. I loved the two scout troopers sitting there complaining yes. about having to wait around and whether one is actually going to get a a chance to take a look at the Yoda baby or not. And the fact that they start doing target practice, it's something that's almost point blank range and they're still missing it. And I was thinking that there was going to be some thing about maybe they picked up a gun that had a pole left or something, but they both just kind of looked at their hands and were like, eh, and then put it away. I'm like, because of course they would just not be at all concerned. Of course. And they're also just very blase talking about the fact that the commander in town is, you know, killing people when he gets interrupted. So that's why they don't want to just go back into town until they're told that it's fine. It's like, ah, yeah, you know how it is. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's what happens on the Imperial side, man. They do kill their people pretty frequently. Yes, but, oh, indeed. And man. I really think think there was a lot of homage to Darth Vader's uniform with uh, the the new big bad Gus Fring. Oh, so, my yeah. God. And, and they're on a boat on a river of lava, because of course they are, and there is this, like, ferry droid. It's an R2 unit over in the back, and it's, like, half encased in rock, and they're having to push off without it, and they get out into the quote-unquote water, whatever, lava, and it wakes up and starts doing the R2 noises and starts to lift up a bit. And it's like an R2 unit, except he's got these giant arms and legs. I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. That's so cool looking. <laughs> and not what I expected at all. I thought we were going to get like a little R2-D2 type thing going. No, this thing was big. It was I, awesome. I love how this series kept being surprising. That yeah. whole bit where they had to leave behind the uh, armorer of the Mandalorians. <gasps> yes. And I'm thinking she is going to set herself up for just a valiant day. Death, and she freaking kicks ass with oh just like her God. armorer tools. So with yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, she didn't even have a. I don't even think any of those actually were firearms. I think she just basically took out a troop of stormtroopers by hand. So <laughs> that was awesome. I really liked her a lot. And there's a couple of things they kept referring to stormtroopers as imps. Has that been something that's been used before? I don't know that. And I wasn't sure if they were talking about stormtroopers or if they were just talking about anybody who's an Imperial soldier, you know, imps. Imps. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. But there was one thing, and Nathan was super impressed with this. A TIE fighter comes in bearing Gus Fring and it lands and it folds those big panels down. And I looked over at Nathan. Nathan's like, I never see those things land before. They've always just crashed. (laughs) Oh, that's true. The one time I've, I don't know that I've seen them land, but I have seen like, 
a row of them on a star destroyer like you see like but they're all they look so delicate on their little you know wings and everything and having them actually fold up and land like that i'm like that makes a lot more sense it, it does really, it looks very much more sturdy that way also you would have a way to get down out of the thing but oh my god when the mandalorian is doing like basically roping a tie fighter and flying around with it oh my god that was awesome he's just so cool i'm really oh. looking forward to the second season which i think drops in like a month or maybe yeah. less than a month this is why it's good that we're so slow with watching stuff because then we don't have to wait a long while before the new thing comes out we do that on purpose of course uh, of course well speaking of having to wait for a while did you read the latest uh, episode of uh, laura olympus oh i certainly did i just read it today oh. oh my god i love that one of the comments though was like oh good hera knows and now that's like wait where are you going you're gonna give him time to escape or make up a story hera just walked away from apollo she just she told him that she had her eye on him and then flew away i'm like why? Why, <laughs> like, why don't not? you don't don't you want to pursue that she said i knew there was something up well you could ask him yeah did you have some place you had to go i mean why in the world would you just but at least we also know now for sure that hades knows that persephone's missing and is actually taking steps to go find her so at least we've got that but Fucking mince, man. What a little twit. Oh, she was so certain just from seeing Hecate and Hades walk into Hades' office. And she was like, ooh, now we've got something going. And she calls him up. And she's like, what do you want me to do with Persephone's stuff? Do you want me to put it in a box and mail it to her or just throw it away? And he's like, why are you packing up her stuff? She's not fired? Why would she be fired? Yeah, she just basically made this giant assumption that just because she saw Hades and Hecate talking and that Persephone wasn't at work and she was like, oh, good, she's been fired. And she just totally, boy, she is not real bright. No, I I know that she's hurt, but she was never really a very good girlfriend anyway, especially since she always let Thetis talk her into terrible ideas. But now she's, of course, blaming Thetis for everything. And Thetis has gone to Zeus. Yeah. And the thing with Minth, though, is that her relationship with Hades, that was hers to lose. I mean, he, yeah. he even made the decision that he was going to stick with her because she was so vulnerable and that he didn't want to just throw her to the curb after they've had a relationship that they really didn't know what it was, but he still wanted to keep that. And then she still messed up. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, she only has herself to blame for all this. Oh, my God. I am so ready for Apollo to get his just desserts. And I kind of want to see what's happening to Minth as well. I mean, I keep wanting to feel sorry for her. And then she just boneheaded shit like she did in this episode. I'm like, the hell is the matter with you, God? Well, I've already read what happens to the Minth in the original mythology, so I won't spoil anything. Oh, okay. All right. I don't think I've ever read that. I specifically looked it up after this. I wanted to see if Minth was actually... And yeah, she was. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's good to know. But yeah. (sighs) I, I do like that... Hades and Hecate went to a pawn shop and it's being run by a Gorgon, which makes total sense when I think about it. I don't know why, but maybe it's the statuary thing. But yeah, the Gorgon is like extorting him, like not giving him information until he buys some stuff. And I'm like, that's a pretty chancy game to be playing with Hades, isn't it? Kind of ballsy, I think. Although... Hades doesn't seem like the kind of ruler that just, you know, smites people. There was that one guy, he tore his eye out because he bothered Persephone. So maybe he hasn't always been like that, but he's sometimes like that. He's sometimes like that, but that was because of Persephone. And we all know that Persephone brings out a lot in him. Yeah, that's true. Good and bad, I guess. I'm glad that that one guy, he gave him his eye back. (laughs) Yes, I I hope that salvages uh, Persephone's relationship with her... um, 
fellow students because they were pretty mad at her when they found out that Hades had done that to him, yeah, even though yeah. he kind of deserved it. I mean, you know, paparazzi. Yeah. yeah. Also, that wasn't her fault. No, either. it you wasn't. Know, she didn't even know what had happened. But, but what do you yeah. suppose she's doing? Because all we know is that she's possibly pawned that uh, comb that Hades gave her at the pawn yes. shop. Yes. So and that's um, that's it. We had thought that maybe she was trying to help out that one nymph that Apollo was going after, but Apollo doesn't even know where Persephone is. No. Or if he had known where she was, he wouldn't have gone after her when it was really Hera in disguise. Also, I don't know, maybe he's not that bright. He doesn't necessarily seem to have made the connection that you were pointing out, that uh, Persephone, a.k.a. Hera, just came for a meeting with Demeter, so obviously Hera's trying to pull something over on Demeter, but he didn't say anything that time. Maybe he was just too stunned. It could be, because he was not expecting that at all. No. I wish she had done something. I wish she had let him have a little more rope to hang himself with, and then I wish she hadn't just walked away from him, because now he's going to hatch a plan. (laughs) So one thing I've been getting caught up with, you've never watched any of the Umbrella Academy, have you? No, no. Is that is uh, that good? Yeah, I really, like the first season had so many good moments, but it, it did feel a little wobbly in a couple places, but for the most part, really solid. I really enjoyed it. I just watched the first two episodes. My God, the first episode is so solid. I just... But the first episode of the, the first things. season or the... First episode of the second season. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, just man. dropped the second season. And so I'm actually... Uh, yeah, I'm I'm... I'm very curious to see where this goes. And it's only 10 episodes, which I think is good because it's a Netflix series and, you know, it's going to have some bloat, which is probably the only problem I have with the first season. But I I like this world. I've never read the comic book, but I really like what they're doing. I like the characters. Um, I like the effects are really good. The actors do a great job. I'm so curious to see where this all goes. But yeah, that's one I think is worth a watch. Cool. I just finished writing the review, in which you can go onto pixelatedgeek.com and see it now for the latest Night Vale book, The Faceless Old Woman Who Secretly Lives in Your Home. I was not expecting any of that in that storyline. Really? It was it was really good. It is a oh, good. very well-written really fast. Like, I finished it in five days, and I possibly could have just sat and powered through it in three, I think. But it is... You had said that it had some mixed reviews? Yeah, because people said that the stuff that went into her past didn't take place in Night Vale, so it didn't feel like a Night Vale story. But you've got things like Luftnarp and Francia and Svitz. You have her seeing a series of flags, and one of them looks like a man holding an orange over his head, and another looks like a five-headed dragon. So oh, wow. there's all um, the smiling god and uh, Hiram McDaniel, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I mean, think yeah, so. Yeah. I think so. But yeah, but it's really dark. This book, it is. It is. Mm. I mentioned in the review, it's a PSA for the collateral damage of revenge, and it just just stabs you in the heart. Oh, okay. I'm in. I like <laughs> stuff like that. That's fun. <laughs> fun. I I gotta get myself braced for it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, and mm. uh, I think. I mean, but it stands out from all the other books because it's just it really. It's it's a totally different tone. I think oh, because wow. it felt like the others were so hopeful and this gives you a completely different look at the faceless old woman who secretly lives in your home who let's face it is kind of been a quirky character she's not quirky to me anymore oh really she's very scary yeah all right i'm in yep i've enjoyed the last two night vale books but i'm sort of enjoyed parts of it there would always be some really weird atmospheric thing that they did that i really liked but as a whole i was like that was cool 
I just didn't really. I haven't felt the need to reread any of them, but um, yeah, I've been looking for one that to really grab me. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because in the first two books, you would have things like okay, the run in with the librarian in book one, yeah, or yeah. the um, the potatoes, <laughs> and the oh little drill bin things that were just so wonderfully delightful. I'm not sure that there's any single element of this latest book that reaches that level, but the yeah. book as a whole, I think, is a lot more solid. And that, I mean, it's sort of like. Like The Last Jedi versus The Rise of Skywalker. The Last Jedi as a whole was, I feel, my own personal thoughts, a more flawed movie. I didn't like anything with the casino thing. I thought things were dragging. I didn't like what they did with Luke and whatever. But then you get to the bit with the ship hyperspacing through a Star Destroyer and the way they did it. And I'm like, oh my God, that one moment just saved the whole movie for me. The entire movie, yes. The entire movie. I mean, I just, I, I just, so glad I saw that in the theater. I was just stunned. Then you have The Rise of Skywalker, which did not have any moment in it that was nearly that cool. But as a whole, I enjoyed the movie better. Yeah. So I, I could take either. I really am okay with either of those things. I know that our sister Hannah points out, um, what was it? Uh, Prayer for Owen Meany, which is a rough read, just kind of boring and slogs along and he's a little pretentious and whatever. And then the last like five or six pages are so amazing. And I was just like, oh my God, that was, and Hannah's like, if a book is terrible for the entire thing and becomes good in the last five pages, that's not a good book. That's bad pacing. It is true. <laughs> but if it's really, really good, I just give it some credit. So it's got it. But it has to be, I mean, seriously, if they hadn't had that hyperspace moment in The Last Jedi, I would have really detested that movie. But that one moment, I'm like, oh, I'm in! <laughs> but I guess that's going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews. Not so much of the photo galleries yet, though. We ought to do another fan art gallery at some point. We need to. We need to do a Laura Olympus one, because I actually did a search on Twitter under Laura Olympus, and it pulls up the Twitter feed of the artist, but also all this fan art. And it's really oh, cool. And cosplay. Yeah. Tons of people like doing cosplay. There was someone what? who did a Thetis cosplay that was just spot on. Oh, I'm in. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. I saw a few. There were a few um, gender swapped Laura Olympus ones that I liked. And also, I mean, you know, these characters are, are covered in paint and everything. It's I feel that there are a lot of nationalities that are participating in the cosplay that are not what you would expect. But when you see it, you're like, yes, I really like this. More people should do that. Very cool. I still think we could do a cosplay if we could get Hannah involved of the three. It's the three fates in the, uh, the, the VHS fates. room. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, we would be great. I would love that. Oh, that'd be nice. Either that or we can play a whole bunch of Gorgons if we can figure out how to get the headdress. Yeah, that, the hair. <laughs> yeah, that'd, that'd be fun. I love the snakes. Oh my, because there was at least one point when I think Hades is talking to the pawn shop owner who's a Gorgon and everything and I felt like the snakes were all like trying to get away from him. She's like facing him and smiling. They're all like, so, you know, <laughs> just add levels to the personality. But anyway, yes, all that and more PixLadyGeek.com no idea what we're going to do next week. The live show of Sandstorm is not until, what, the 24th? 24th, yeah. 24th. I am sure something will come up in the nerd world for us to talk about. So one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later.
before we go back to the play, we had a word from our sponsors, which was the San Diego Medical Board. Uh, you I just guess? said you just said San Diego. Oh my God! I haven't even had a sip of my drink yet. This is <laughs> unbelievable. Okay. Oh come on! Ugh, fail. Having some problems there. 